Well, hey, good morning again, everybody. We're so glad that you joined us. And uh, before I jump into anything, let me kind of say one of the most important things. And let me say probably what Brendan's already said a time or two again uh, this morning. But man, happy Mother's Day. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that it was Mother's Day. A little bit of a different one. I've never wished mothers or ladies happy Mother's Day through a video camera before, but appreciate the opportunity uh, to do so. And man, just want to, on behalf of all of Calvary's leaders, for the moms <clears throat> who are listening today, I just want to thank you and affirm you, uh, particularly in this season. If your house is anything like my house and probably a bunch of you moms, you've just been the engine of your household that's kept everything going. And then you've been making the decision about how do we get our family groceries? Where do we find toilet paper? Do we Instacart? Do we do Peapod? Do we do ShopRite? You've been helping your kids figure out all this online learning. Moms, a bunch of you are also working, doing your own thing. And so, man, in this season, it kind of evidences just the huge and important and valuable role that, that moms play. And so, uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. And it's we say every year, we know that as much as it's an exciting day for some folks, it's also a challenging day. And so maybe you're a woman listening today, and today <clears throat> isn't the best of days for you. Maybe it's a hard day because for whatever reason, you can't see your mom. This social distancing has caused this year to be different than other years, where you could have lunch with her or visit her, and this year you can't do that, and that's hard for you. Maybe, I know for some of you, your mother recently died. And so you're processing through your first Mother's Day without your mom. For some of you, you just didn't have a great background and your family situation wasn't ideal. And so when you think of Mother's Day, it's not a day thinking about a great mom. It's a day thinking about a story that had some challenges. And today, for some of you, could also be a hard day because you desperately want to be a mom. And for whatever reason, that's not part of your story Yet, and so we know this a day where different people who are hearing these words, it's going to land on you differently. For some of you, it's a great day, and hopefully, your family, if you're in a situation where you got some kids around you, hopefully, they've made you some like lobster eggs Benedict and uh, some fair trade coffee and a pour over. And for some of you, it's a great day. And we also know that there's others of you who it's a, a hard day. And so, we want to acknowledge that. Um, and tell you we're sorry if it's a day that lands a little heavily on you. And so no matter where you are on that, um, just want to thank all the ladies for the huge role that you play. Let me pray for all of you. Let me pray for us. And then we're going to jump into what God has for us in his word. Father, on this morning, um, on behalf of the folks whose story it is to have a mom, just thank you for the gift that a mother is to so many of us. And the critical role that moms play in our society and our families and uh, for giving them to us. And Father, we also know that it could be a day that's challenging for some people. And so as some people hearing this are processing Mother's Day and it's bringing some difficulties or some sadness, I pray that even right now, your peace will surround them. They'll know that they are not alone. They'll know that you love them and that you'll be supporting them in whatever they're facing. We're grateful, Father, for the opportunity to come again and open up your word, and uh, we get to learn things about you every week and hopefully apply those things to our lives. And so as we come once again this Sunday, Father, I pray that you will work through your word, and wherever we find ourselves in our story and wherever we find ourselves in our situations, your Holy Spirit will bring the word to that so that when we know you better and we may live in a way that honors and pleases you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and for his glory. 
Amen. Well, uh, throughout my <clears throat> different years, I've done some traveling, right? Maybe traveled a little more than some of you, probably traveled a lot less than others of you. But different moments in my life and different phases, there's all been all sorts of different, different traveling, right? Man, there's been, there's been years where it seems like every few months we're just making this road trip up and down the East Coast, visiting friends. I remember about a decade or so ago, my family made this massive, like, crazy trip. I think we started in Dallas, Texas. We maybe went over to Florida. We cruised up to New Hampshire. Then we kind of made that big long triangle back to Dallas, Texas. We put thousands and thousands of miles on our car and ate lots of combos from different rest stops. I've been to um, Brazil. I've been to Nicaragua and done all few different trips here and there. And here's the reality about the different trips that I've been on and the different traveling that I've done. Each trip has something very different about it. Each trip has different moments and different chapters, but even though every trip is different, there's also some things that each trip has in common. On every different trip that I've been in, there's been moments where I'm just like sick of traveling. I just want to get out of the plane. I want to get out of the, the car, right? There's moments, even though every trip is different, where I see things I've never seen before, and I see things that I'll probably never see again. There's moments on each of those different trips when I'm tired. There's moments, many frequent moments, on each of those different trips. A big similarity is that, man, I just have got to have a cup of coffee, right? And this morning, probably none of us are on our trip from Dallas to Jacksonville up to New Hampshire, but every single one of us this morning listening to this, this Mother's Day, all of us are on some sort of journey. We're on some sort of journey, and maybe this morning you're on a journey professionally. Maybe you're on a journey personally. Maybe you're on a journey leaving a certain chapter of your life. Maybe you're on a journey entering a certain moment of your life. And, and we may be on different journeys, but no matter what, here's one thing we all have in common. All of us are on a spiritual journey. Every single one of us listening to this morning is on a spiritual journey. And our spiritual journeys, right, all have some things in common. We're different places in journey spiritually, but in each of our spiritual journey, we all share some common things. And so this morning, we're going to talk about what God does in spiritual journeys and how he works. And maybe one of the things we talk about is one of the things, one of the places, the exact place that you find yourself now. We're going to talk about the spiritual journey that we're on because for the past few weeks we've been looking at a journey that another group of people have been going on. For the past few weeks we've been looking at this journey that the Jewish people have been going on and we're going to continue to kind of track their journey as we think about our journey and learn from their journey and our own. And so this, this morning we're going to continue from where we were last week. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 3 and 4. Joshua chapter 3 and 4. And from that, we're going to pull some truths for followers, some truths for followers that will apply no matter where we find ourselves this morning on our spiritual journey. Well, let's kind of rewind. Maybe some of you have missed a week or two. Let's think about what we've been seeing about these Jewish people who have been on their journey. They started a long, 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 long time ago, and they were slaves. They were in the country of Egypt. They were slaves there. And then God, through these bunch of miracles, he emancipated them. 
and they were released from slavery, <clears throat> and they started this trek through the desert, and they were going to this country, this land that God was going to give to them. And they made some bad choices, and so then for about 40 years, they made this big circular road trip where for 40 years they just kind of wandered around in the desert. They've just finished that 40-year road trip. And where we've seen in the past few weeks is they now find themselves camped, hanging out about 10 miles away from the border, from entering that the land God has for them. They're, they're 10 miles away on this journey that they've been going to, 10 miles from this promise that God has from them, this moment that they, they have to experience out there. And on the other side of that obstacle, on the other side of that river, is the land that they've been promised. And that's where the story picks up today. They're camping 10 miles from a river, and on the other side of that river is the land. And here's where the story picks up on their journey, Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says this, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. That's the town that they've been camped in about 10 miles away. And they came to the Jordan River, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. And then verse 3 says, or beginning of verse 2 says, At the end of three days... Here's what we see happen. There's this thing waiting for them on the other side and they move, God has them move right up to the boundary of what's waiting for them. And then you know what God has them do? He has them stop. He has them stop. They don't keep going. They don't move into what he has for them, right? They don't take it in that moment. Instead, he has them wait. Right, The text tells us they move right up to this thing, and then he says, whoa, time out. And for about two or three days, they wait there. They're waiting by this river, and there's something on the other side of the river that God has for them. And the question is, well, I mean, that kind of could be like a nice little place to hang out, right? Sitting by a river, could they like get out their fly rods, and could they fly fish? What's the deal with this river? Because the river... What we can learn about it gives another little layer to this conversation. Here's what we see later in the story about this river that they were camped near. Verse 15 tells us this. The last part of of verse 15 in chapter 3 says this about the river. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So here's what we know, right? God brings them to this thing. He doesn't have them keep going. There's something waiting for them on the other side of this, but they don't move into that right away. Instead, they stop and they wait. And they're waiting by this river that they have to get across. And the river, the text has told us, is at floodplains. Here's some information about what this river's like, what they're looking at, what they have to get over. Man, this, this floodplain of the Jordan River, it's between two football fields to one mile wide, right? The river itself normally is much narrower than that, but during this flood season, man, they're, they're camped, they're stopped, they're waiting at this obstacle that's two football fields to a mile wide. That floodplain is tangled with all of these thick shrubs and brush and nasty kind of thorny trees. It's the flood season. And in the flood season, it's not like this little peaceful, quiet 
bubbling brook. I mean, you think whitewater rapids in North Carolina or somewhere. This water is gushing and is frothing and is roaring through that canyon. In parts of the river, when they got into it, it, it's about 10 to 12 feet deep, which means for most of the people, this river that's roaring, it would be four to six feet over their heads. It is this difficult obstacle to get apart, across. It's this difficult obstacle to have to deal with, and there's something on the other side for them, but right now God has them stopped, and he has them waiting. And he has them stopped, and he has them waiting with that very thing that they have to confront, that very thing that they have to deal with, that very thing that they have to get through for two to three days, staring them in the face. And he hasn't yet told them how to get across it. He hasn't yet told them what to do. All he's told them is, hey, I got something for you. I'm doing something in your journey, but for now, you just sit there and wait. Here's the first truth for followers as you and I are on our journey. One reality is this, that there's some moments that God makes us wait. God sometimes makes us wait. And sometimes in your journey and sometimes in my journey, you and I have to wait with that very difficult, unknown, insurmountable challenge right in front of us. And we're waiting and we're watching and we have no idea how we're going to fix it. We have no idea how God's going to deal with it because God simply has us in a moment of waiting. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced a moment where, man, you know God has something, you know he's doing something, but you're just waiting. And he's kind of silent. I mean, just think, right? In this moment, the people didn't hear God speaking to them about what to do. The only thing the people would hear would be of that water constantly rushing by them. Have you ever had to wait Maybe for some of you, you're experiencing that now. Maybe you're a mom. And this Mother's Day, God has you in a moment in your situation where you're waiting. You're waiting to see something that's going to happen in your family. There's something one of your kids is struggling with or is processing through, and you're just waiting to see how it's going to resolve and how it's going to turn up. One reality for you and me, even though we're in all sorts of different journeys, <clears throat> one similarity for our journey is this, that God sometimes makes us wait. And in those moments of waiting, man, we need to wait well. Wait well. Here are some thoughts about how we wait well. As we're stopped. Man, trust God. Accept the waiting. Man, you and I hate to wait. <clears throat> I went to go 
pick up a cake today and not only did I have to wait to get in the things the social distancing but like I had to wait six feet away and there was a line wrapped around the whole dealio right man I hate waiting we hate waiting and sometimes we hate it when God makes us wait but you know what disliking it doesn't keep it from happening we wait well by trusting God we wait well by accepting the waiting wait well by staying close to God. Wait well. No matter what you're waiting on this morning or what you may have to wait on some other morning down the road, you wait well by depending on God. We wait well by learning what we may need to learn during the period of waiting. Many times God has us wait because there's something in that moment of waiting that he's trying to teach us. And here's just a, a final practical way to wait well. Man, if you're in a moment of waiting, I'd encourage you to read the Psalms, right? Open up your Bible, middle of the Bible, book of Psalms. There are so many times where so many Psalms talk about David or another writer who is in a moment of waiting. And what he learned in his waiting can be instructive to us in our waiting well, well, God didn't have the people wait forever. And many times in my story and many times in your story, God won't have you wait forever. And so what happens next in the story, right? Two to three days of waiting. And then what happens? Well, we see it pick up in verse two. It says this. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of your of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. The Ark of the Covenant, this was this box that God had the Jewish people make, and it was a symbol of his presence, right? It showed that he was with them, and in some way, supernaturally, right, his glory dwelt in that. The Ark was a symbol of God, and what he's saying is, man, one day that Ark is going to move, and when that Ark moves, you follow it. And then there's this other kind of continuing instructions, verse 4. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that, and here's, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. What God's telling the people is, look, you don't get right up against that ark, right? Because here's why. You need to be able to see where the ark is going. You need to have perspective. You don't need to be in this throng of people and not see it. You need to be able to watch where I'm leading you and you need to be able to see what I'm doing and you need to be able to have an angle and a perspective where there's enough distance that you can see it and you can follow it. Here's the second truth for followers based on what God did here. Second truth is this. God leads... And we're to follow. God leads and we are to follow. And I love the reason that God gives for following him. The reason that God gives these people for following him is such an encouragement. Here's what it said. We've read it in verse 4, but it says this. Man, follow me in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. You know what that's saying? That's saying, look, guys... Look, Calvary, man, God knows the way that we're supposed to go. God knows the path for our lives. God knows the plans he has for us. And guess what? We don't, but he does. 
Uh, there's been times when my family's gone for different hikes or different walks, and I can remember doing that when my kids were a little younger. And different times, particularly kind of down here on the Trumbull Trails, on the other side of it, there, there's this river that you have to get across. And so when my kids were younger, or in other moments, what I'd always do is, right, you'd have to get across that river by walking on stones. And so I'd always go first, and I'd kind of put my foot on this stone and see if it would hold me. And then I put it on this one and see if it would hold me. And then I check that and check that. And then I would kind of find some stones that would be the path across. And then you know what I would do? I'd tell my kids, man, you just, you just follow me. You just follow me. Because I've already gone ahead. I know the stones that are wobbly and will cause you to fall. And I know the stones that are strong and will support you. I've gone before you. I'm in front of you. I've already know the path that you have to take. So kids, man, you don't have to figure it out for yourselves. You just follow me. And how comforting that the same thing is true for our Heavenly Father. How comforting that your Heavenly Father and my Heavenly Father knows the right path for us to take. He knows the right path for you and for I to take in our lives. And not only does he know the path that is best for you and he knows the right way for you to go, but in his kindness, he's willing to lead you. And he says, look, I know what's best for you. I know how to get you where I'm trying to take you. I know the path. And hey, I'm actually going to lead you on that path. So just follow me. God leads and where to follow. And that raises the question for all of us this morning, how are we doing following? How are we doing as followers? Are we following where God is leading? Or or are we kind of trying to drive the train, right? Do we think, No, we know the best path. We know the best place. We know the best way to go. And so we're going to blaze ahead and we're going to move towards this. And so God, here's where I'm going. Why don't you just kind of come alongside me and make that happen? Because that's my path. Are we following where he's leading us? Or are we trying to just barge ahead into our own path and using him as some like lucky rabbit foot to make that happen? Are we trusting him? And again, on Mother's Day, for so many moms who, man, their heart is for their family and their heart is for their kids and their heart is how to love that family well and and teach those kids, moms, what an encouragement for you this morning to know that today, God's leading you. God's leading you in the way that what it means for you to be a mom in your particular family, in your particular moment. You don't have to figure it out alone. All you have to do is follow. All you have to do is follow. So God starts to lead the people. And he says to the people, hey guys, follow me. And then I think what's the, one of the coolest parts of the story comes next. I mean, I love this part of the story. Here's how <clears throat> the story continues, verse 9. So, so they know to watch the, the ark, the, where it goes, right? Obviously, that ark somehow is going to have to get across this raging Jordan River. And, and here's verse 9, what it says. 
And so Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the living. Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. That is a whole lot of ites, right? Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe of man. And then here's kind of the cool part. Verse 13. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. God is going to give these people a sign. That's what he says in verse 10. He says, right here, hey, I'm going to do something so that you'll know that the living God is among you and that I without fail will do everything that I said. God was giving the people a sign, but... And I love this. That sign was only going to come after they took a step of obedience. The priests had to first step into the Jordan River. And it's not like, uh, hey, when their toes dip into it, right? You know how you do that, right? Like first time you're going to jump in your swimming pool for the season and the cool way, the manly way, the way I don't do anymore is just you jump in, right? I know, you know what a lot of us do? We're like, ooh, it looks cold. Let me just kind of test it, right? And then you do everything you can to keep your teenager from pushing you into it. This is not dip your toe into the water. This is not when the priests go and dip their toe in. This is, look what it says, when the soles, verse 13, when the soles of their feet, in case we don't know our anatomy, you know what the sole of your feet is? This. When the bottom of their foot rests in the waters of the Jordan. You know what that means? In order for the bottom of their foot to rest in the Jordan, guess what? They had to step in to the river. They had to take an act of obedience. They had to take a step of faith. They had to commit. They had to go all in. And then after they were all in, point of no return, obedient step, then... God was going to do something to confirm for them his plan and that he was with them. Here's the third truth for followers. Sometimes God gives us confirmation only after we commit in faith. Sometimes God gives us confirmation only after we commit in faith. And you know what? We don't like what that little clause says at the bottom of the screen because you know what we want you know what i want i want confirmation before i take a step of faith so many times we think god wants us to do something and so we say okay here's the deal i need a sign if god gives me a sign well then i'll obey see we like the reverse of what we see here and here's the reality God does not always give you a sign before he expects you to obey. And in my own story, man, God rarely, rarely, rarely has given me any confirmation before he expects me to obey. Rather, what God wants us to do is sometimes, oftentimes, most times, to simply obey in faith. 
And then after we obey in faith, we can look back and we can say, man, God's hand was all in this. Look at what God did. Look at how God worked. Look at all these things that lined up that were more than circumstances. But many times and most times, we don't see that until after we've taken the obedient step of faith. These guys, they had to go all in. They had to fully commit. They had to get to the point of no return in obedience and trust to God before he would then confirm through some sign that they were on the right path. And for some of us, here's maybe the application. Don't let waiting for a sign to come to you someday keep you from obeying God this day. Maybe some of us aren't obeying God today. Maybe some of us aren't taking that step of faith today because we're waiting for some sign to come someday. Don't sit around waiting for a sign to come someday to do what you know God would have you do this day. Well, the priests didn't sit around waiting for a sign. Those priests obeyed God. Those priests took that step. They went all into the river. And what happens? We see in 15 verses 15 through 17. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose in a heap very far away. I don't really know what that means. I just know what it means is, man, that, that water stopped roaring. That water slowed down. That water had some way that there's path was provided through it. The waters from above stood and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarephath, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. The people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all of Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. God had something for the people that was on the other side of this obstacle. And he didn't take them to that right away. He had them sit and he had them wait. And then he said, okay, I'm going to lead you through this obstacle. I'm going to lead you to what I have for you. And man, I don't need you to try to find your own path. What I need is for you to follow me. And part of following me through that obstacle to what I have in this next moment of your life is taking a step of obedient faith, commit to it before I show up to give you any sign before I show up to confirm my plan, man, you take a step of faith and then you'll be able to look back and the people do it. And God provides. God provides. God gets them through it. God makes a way. How many times in this text do we see they passed over, they passed over, they passed over. And when they got on the other side, what did God want them to do? Well, it tells us in chapter 4, and chapter 4 kind of repeats some of the story, and then, then we see what they're supposed to do when they get on the other side in verses 6 um, through 7, where it says this. 
Joshua said, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. So he tells the people, hey, as 12 of you are walking through this, man, I want you to grab a stone from that riverbed. Well, well, why? Why did God tell them in these verses, right, to, to take these 12 stones? He tells them again in verse 3, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from, every, the, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Why? Why did God want them to take 12 stones out of the river and bring them to the other side? He tells them, Verses 6 and 7, you do this that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in the time to come, hey, what do these stones mean to you? Then you should be able to tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. In years to come. When some grandpa takes his boy fishing, when some dad takes his daughter fishing and they go over to the Jordan River, they're like, hey, let's go on this little trip. We're going to bring us a picnic lunch. We're going to go down here. We'll catch some worms. We'll try to catch some fish. And as they're walking down to that secret fishing spot that the dad knows about, and this, this little kid sees these pile of stones. And the kid's like, dad, that's random. Why are there 12 stones piled up there? In that moment, what the parent will be able to do well, to be remind the child of God's faithfulness to them, God's kindness to them, God's provision to them. Here's the fourth truth for followers. God wants us to personally remember and to teach our kids what he has done. God wants you and God wants me to personally remember, and for those of us that he gives kids to, God wants us to teach our kids and remember what he has done for us in the past. When we, March of 2013, we were in Savannah, Georgia, hanging out, eating barbecue till our hearts content and sweet tea, and we knew that God was leading us up to Calvary. And so in March of 2013, we moved up to Connecticut from Savannah, Georgia, and uh, my kids, we kind of uh, knew God was coming, calling us up here, and so we were excited about getting up here, and it just seemed timing-wise that it wasn't the best thing to sit in Savannah and to let our kids finish school there, and so we took our kids out before the end of the school year, and they left a bunch of great friends and great relationships, and it was a, a challenging move for them in that respect, and so we left a lot behind that meant a lot to them. And we came up here and we rented a house and we really wanted to be in Trumbull because the church is in Trumbull. And we just felt like, man, there's a certain legitimacy, it seems like, when a senior pastor of the church is able to live in the town in which he pastors. It doesn't always happen, but that's just felt like that's what God had for our story. And, and so our kids had left a lot. And so you know what we did? We, we, we made a list of like, okay, kids, hey, if there was something that you'd want in a house, Right? Let, let's, let's all put down one or two things and let's make this list. And we're going to start to pray for it. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask God for these things. Is God going to give them all to us? I don't know, but hey, why not at least ask? And so we asked for things. Like a tree that we could have some sort of swing on that we could swing. We asked for things. 
like amazing neighbors. We asked for things for like a street that we could ride bikes on. We asked for things for a boy in the neighborhood who was my son's age so that he would have somebody, man, that he would connect well with when we got up here. And we made a list and we prayed. And man, we've, through the provision and kindness of, of God, man, we have a house that we love. And the amazing thing is so many of the things for which we prayed, man, God gave us. And and here's what we do. I tell you that because there's been other moments since 2013 where, man, we've just kind of said, man, is God going to take care of us in this moment? Does God have us in this moment? Can we trust God in this moment? And what we do, and it's usually my wife. Usually what she'll do is, you know, a few times since then, go back and say, hey, remember, when we moved here, here's the things we prayed for. And we can look back and we can see that here is the things that God has done. Here's a memorial for us of how God has provided for us in the past that we can look back to, to see his heart, to see his character, to see his ability to give us faith in this moment for whatever we're wondering, can we still trust him today? And that's a great tool for our family. That's 12 stones. Maybe not literal stones, but maybe 12 little bullet points on a piece of paper that we have as a memorial to look back to, to see how God's provided for us. And the, the question is, what can you do today? What can you do today to help you remember what God has done for you in the past? Do you grab a journal and do you write down a moment right now where God's provided for you in this way that can only be attributed to him, right? I told before about my Coca-Cola story, how God got our rent because of a Coca-Cola truck, hit some lady's car in a community group, and as an attorney, I got a referral fee, and so a Coca-Cola can is the way that I remember that. Do you have something tangible in your life, in your story, and on your spiritual journey that you can look back to as your 12 stones and you can say, man, I'm going to look to that because it reminds me of how God has provided. If God has provided for you in the past months in some way, man, come up with a way to remember that. Come up with a way to memorialize that. Come up with a way to keep that somehow that you can look back to it in the future when you want to know, is God good? Is God faithful? Will God take care of me now? And you can look in the past and see what he did then. Moms. Moms, how can you be part of that process, right? I know it's Mother's Day, and if you're a mom and you got your kids around, they're, they're going to give you an amazing gift, right? It's Mother's Day. You probably maybe already opened your gift, your Mother's Day gift. But what, what a gift that you as a mom could maybe even give to your family today or in the coming weeks by helping come up with a way for your family to grab hold of something that God has done for you and to plant a stake in the ground to build your own little 12 tone tower that says, man, our family can always look to this moment and this thing to see the faithfulness of God. In your journey this morning and my journey this morning, we're all at some mile marker. We're all someplace. We're all at some twist, we're all at some chapter, we're all at some fork in the road, and where you are may be different than where I am, 
And where I am may be different than the person who's listened to this somewhere in Ansonia, and the person in Ansonia is different from the person listening to this in Westport. But even if and even as we're in different places in our journey, here's some truths we know about things that we will experience in our journey. We know that sometimes God makes us wait. And we know that God leads and we're to follow. And we know that in our journey, sometimes God will give you confirmation only after you commit and face. And in our journeys, as God provides, and he will provide, God wants us to personally remember, and if our story is kids, to teach our kids what he's done great truths about our journey from these folks who went on a journey thousands of years ago. And man, there's going to be ongoing more truths we'll see in the coming weeks. And so I'll invite you back to come next week as we open up the next chapter and see what's there. But I hope no matter what you're facing today, whether you're a mother, whether you're a grandma, whether you're a single dad, whether you're a single lady, I hope it's a day that you know that God is with you and God is leading you and God is good and you can follow him. Have a great day. Let's sing a song together, and we'll look forward to getting back again next Sunday. Let me pray. Father, I'm just grateful that in our journeys, you know the way that you have for us. You know the plans that you have for each one of us. You know the good works that you have prepared in advance for every single one of us to do. You know what's going to happen next month. You know what's going to happen in five years. You know where we should go, and you lead us. And so, Father, my simple prayer this morning for all of us is that we will have the faith, and we will have the courage, and we will have the Spirit's help to follow, to simply follow. And for those who are afraid to take that first step, God, may this text kind of be a catalyst for us to step out in faith to fully commit in obedience and to trust you and see where you take us on our journey father thank you that our journey ends ultimately one day with seeing you and with worshiping you face to face and we look forward to that day and we're grateful father that you who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete us and so help us today be with us today encourage us today strengthen us today and we pray this for the glory of jesus amen